0: The following is a production of the SpeedSport Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to the iRacers download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. I'm Justin Prince. Alongside me is Taylor Burris with our producer, Wayne Owens, as we have a special show lined up for you this week. We'll be joined this week by Ray Fowler, the winner of the eNASCAR Coca Cola iRacing Series race at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and later on by Adam Cabot, the winner of the Indiana 500K in Monday Night Racing. Taylor, a very special lineup plan for today. Let's get started. Certainly so. Let's
0: first off get things started with the winner of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series from the Charlotte Motor Speedway, driver of the number 51 rowdy energy drink Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, Ray Alfala, the four-time champ. Ray, welcome to the iRacers Download. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing all right. Thank you so much for coming on. First and foremost, Ray... This is the first win that you had in over a year since your last win at Atlanta. Just actually shy by one day, and your thoughts on this win? Because I think all of us can agree that was probably the most exciting battle, watching you and Malik
2: Ray battle it out in those closing laps. Yeah, I mean it's uh, we. I mean we desperately need. We needed just a good run, you know. Our, our best finish uh, before that was fifteenth. So I've, I've never gone this deep into a season without even a top 10 so um yeah you know we needed we needed really just a good run um uh, you know with with the, the way the playoff system works and and everything of course we're we're swinging for the fences we're being aggressive on our setup being aggressive on our strategy uh i'm, I'm trying to be more aggressive on the track i normally try to take care of other drivers but i haven't been shown much respect this year people just run over me whenever they want so uh you know, I'm not cutting anybody any breaks, so uh, that's
1: that. And uh, you know, we uh, we ended up winning the race. What was kind of the emotional reaction like from you and your team when you crossed the line and realized we just did it again and became the second, the first time, I should say. Someone had won the Coca Cola 300 more than once.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, people are wondering why I didn't show any emotion. It's, uh, I mean, it's basically because uh, you know, I, I get I get paid by Gibbs and by Kyle Busch to, to win these races, so it you know, I I shouldn't be jumping out of the seat to do what I'm supposed to do, you know. Um, so it's it's it hurts really really bad when we run 35th. Um, it, it hurts worse when you run 35th, and it feels good when you win. I'll tell you that, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, winning's is just more of a relief than anything. But I mean, we're so deep in the points that um, w- winning one race is probably not even going to be enough. We probably need to win another race and then make the top 20 in points because there's probably going to be more than 10 winners. So once there's more than 10 winners, then you need to win two races. That's been something said by a lot of drivers,
1: including some that are inside the top 20 who have come away with victories so far. Let's talk about, though, the efforts to try and get yourself towards that position. What have the struggles been like to try and get the performance up this season and get the
2: luck going your direction, man. It's just, uh, I mean, the, 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 way the, the way the cars drive, the cars don't drive at all. Like, uh, like they used to, like what I've been successful at and what I found my success doing during all those years, the cars just drive completely different now and everybody's really close. So, you know, back in the day, the, the driver had more input. The driver could really kind of put the car on his back. If, if the, the setup wasn't there, um, so I felt like I felt like in the past, whenever I had a car that wasn't really cooperating very well, I could still kind of edge out a top ten, maybe or top fifteen. And now, now if the car just doesn't work right, if you're just just a little bit off, you'll run 35th. So. That's just the biggest difference and of course since everybody's so close it's a lot easier to get involved in a wreck um, and we've had that happen several times unfortunately so uh you know qualifying is important and qualifying now a lot of the times is wide open also so you're just uh, as a driver you're just holding the wheel you know you're not really uh you're hoping for good wind you're hoping for uh the, the cars fast and uh sometimes we've had a slow car and bad wind so there you go there goes the starting 30th again so i don't know it, it's been a lot of bad a lot of bad stuff, and uh, but we showed that if if we get if we get everything working our way, we can uh, we can win pulling away. Well, let's take a
0: little step back further in time, Ray. You've been on the iRacing service for quite some time. What made you want to get involved with iRacing?
2: Um, I mean, probably Mario Kart, like 1997. Uh, <laughs> I've just been, you know, I've been a racing fan my whole life. Never could really get into the real world stuff. Uh, you know, at the, you know, when I was a kid, just. You know resources and money and all that and uh but there was always uh, you know online racing that's where i went to and that's pretty much the story with uh, a lot of the drivers in the series i think we have a lot of talented drivers in the series um some of them already already race in the real world and have success and um you know others would like to and just don't have the either the resources the money whatever it is um but you can race in this series for i mean for basically dirt cheap compared to anything in real life so um yeah, I've just always I've just always loved the competition, and I always get asked, you know, how much longer are you going to do this? And basically, as long as I can, because it's what I like to do. Well,
0: let also, you know, you're a four-time champion, winning back to back in 2011 and 2012, and then of course 2016 and 2018, and also the all-time leader in wins, top fives, poles, top tens, laps led, etc. Basically, considered the le- pretty much one of the legends of the e NASCAR Coca-Cola Series. What really, since you've been a part of it since almost its inception, what have been some of the major changes that you've seen in each series, in each season that you've competed
2: in? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, obviously with, the, with the NASCAR teams coming in in 2019, um, and then last year, you know, the... The Coca-Cola sponsor and the prize money went way up. It went up in 2018 and then last year it went way up again. Uh, You know, and then everything, NASCAR is more fully involved, a lot more marketing behind the series. So, um, you know, the drivers are getting paid more. uh, And and there's just a lot more money flowing in the series, a lot more people watching, a lot more sponsorship. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of more effort, I guess you could say, overall put into the series by everybody involved, including the drivers. Everything's really close. And and like I said earlier, the cars uh, are... Uh, The cars are just much closer together than when they used to be before, as far as how they drive and things like that. So I feel like, unfortunately for me, it's less in the driver's hands now and more in the setup makers. And, you know, you see the the drivers who are really, really, really good in the garage um, or have somebody that's really, really good making setups for them usually find... Success more often than not. Where in the past, you know, it doesn't matter how good your car was if you couldn't drive it, then you couldn't do anything. But now it's a different story. So that's kind of like where my battle is as a driver, and that's why I'm really looking forward to the next gen car. And hopefully, that does put more in the driver's hands because, um, you know, I don't consider myself to be that great in the, in the garage, but I, I do think I can get it done on the track.
0: Well, let's talk about the next gen car. What is your thoughts on this? Since it's now available virtually for anyone on the iRacing service to use your thoughts on how this car drives differently compared to the current gen 6 car
2: yeah I've, i haven't done many laps at all and i'm not interested in doing many laps at all with it because the way i see it i'm not going to be worried about that car till 2022 so um i'm sure iRacing will get a, lo- a bunch more data between now and then um and then it, and then it's all of next year too once the cars actually get on track in real life and they get even more data so I think it's pointless to drive them now and give a judgment of how, do they, how they drive right now. Because even though they're released to everybody and the car is still basically like an alpha as far as like, uh, you know, the development of it. And it's a fantasy car as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not already, I'm not even driving it.
0: Interesting point right there. But now that we've got that interest and in the way we look ahead, look around right now. You I mean, you have raced with three different organizations since the, since the NASCAR teams have come on board. You had the Wood Brothers, VRS Coanda, and then also this season with Joe Gibbs. What is it like working with these three major organizations over the past three seasons? And your thoughts on how these organizations are involved in the world of E-NASCAR.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, every every year has been different. You know, that first year, everything was so new. And, and I think, that I mean, the, the teams themselves, they were... They're probably more organized now. And back in 2019, we were just kind of there was a draft. There's no, there's not a draft anymore. I was drafted by the Wood Brothers, and um, there was, uh, you know, we were all just kind of trying to figure out like the sponsorship and how that worked, and things like that. And that, that whole first year, um, you know, everybody, it was it was just so new to everybody to what we used to have before. Um, and then last year, I kind of went to the home team it was uh it was just vrs i'm not on the coanda side it was just the, the vrs team on irace um and that, that was cool but i think they they thought we kicked everybody's ass way too much so they just kind of took that out and then uh we, <laughs> we came back to 2021 and uh, i driving for gibbs now and representing kyle with the rowdy energy and then it's cool you know i've gotten to you know this year work with kyle in the pro Invitational series and last year uh you know unrelated to the Unrelated to the Coke series, but last year worked with Jimmy Johnson obviously with the, the Pro Invitational as well. So just getting to work with two legends of the sport back to back years has been, you know, something I'll I'll remember forever.
1: Let's dive deeper into that then, because you've got the opportunity to work with NASCAR Cup Series drivers. What is that experience like to be able to teach them about the nuances of the sim world while also learning how the real world races as well? As some have described.
2: Yeah, I mean, you get to learn how uh, how they think as, as far as how they approach uh, driving and things like that, and you realize it's really not very different to what to what the NASCAR drivers think. You know, I think we communicate very well. Um, I know last year Jimmy was very impressed with how deep the sim racing world was. He really had no idea just how much data and how much how many things we had access to uh, on our side looking at throttle trace and braking and lines and things like that so he was very impressed by that and, and, and then this year um i mean kyle has taken tie racing like uh like i didn't think he he, he would do i mean he's racing re- he's racing leagues he runs he races a lot he sim races a lot and i think he realizes that it's something that you know him liking to race so much and not being able to do that anymore in in the real world since they have the restrictions with the truck series and the xfinity series he gets on i racing and gets his racing fix so um I think we just realized that the, you know those guys are not very different from the from the Nasco guys as far as we all just love racing and we all uh, we all love driving. So you know, and at the very basic aspect of it, it's uh, it's very similar both worlds. Very interesting indeed. And let's talk about how
1: preparation has gone overall for these races because, as we talked about a bit earlier, it's been a rough season, yes. But how would you describe your dynamic when it comes to being able to? develop things and try and build the speed and build it up as the season is going on to try and find said speed how much work has to be put in for that
2: i mean i don't i don't think it's been it's been a i don't think it's been a lack of work it's just sometimes you either find it or you don't um and i think some you know some guys have a knack for it finding things um before other drivers and things like that i know i know personally i mean i rely a lot on, uh, on the guys at Legacy Esports to. Um, you know, to build the cars to to go fast, because it's, it's not the same as when I was in college, and I had a lot of free time when you have, you know, when you're working a full time job, and you get home, and you're already tired before you even start doing laps, you know, and it really helps when you have a a group of people that are that have more free time, have more time to run the setups, they can also get out there on the the track and drive it themselves. Um, So I I try to give feedback on on what the car needs and what I think it needs. Uh, But I'm, I am far from a setup guru myself. Uh, you know, I, I just try to do my best to, with what I'm given and try to give as much feedback as, as I can to, to make the car better. Well,
0: let's talk a little bit about that right quick, Ray, You with how... You are so busy with, you know, not only just trying to compete in the NASCAR, but also your real life obligations. What do you try and do in order to, you know, unwind, relax, getting things ready before, you know, you get ready for a NASCAR race?
2: I mean, I'm usually listening to a bunch of music. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll turn on music while I'm doing laps. And it's, it's you know, very, it's very distracting, but it's, it's good. I'm able to just kind of focus on, on my driving. Um, as far as relaxing goes, but there's, I can tell you, there's not that much relaxing that goes on before one of these races. Um, usually on race day, I wake up and I'm pretty excited about the, the the race itself, but it's pretty much like the whole day I'm just thinking about the race. Uh, I get home and I'm thinking about the race, you know, stress levels through the roof the whole time. It's, you know, you qualify, you're stressed out, you race, you're stressed out, then after the race, I can't sleep and I still got to work tomorrow. So, it's uh, but you know, it's part of it. It's it's what we signed up for. So I, I do love I do love that we get stressed out about it or else we didn't we wouldn't care. But um, yeah, there's not really that much that you can do to relax for these races. They just are where they are. Now, I wanted to
0: touch on this. We talked a little bit about it on Tuesday night, the night of your win, but you were actually at Homestead Miami. For the last race of Jeff Gordon and you actually ran across someone who you were quite surprised that you ran across when you were over at uh, Homestead Miami for the championship season finale for the Cup Series and I just wanted you to tell your story to get your thoughts and reaction on that Uh, yeah
2: I I, I think I was discussing this like under yellow uh, on Tuesday during the race uh so lewis hamilton went to see jeff gordon run his final race at, at homestead that year and uh i was in the pits and so i'm just walking down the pits i think i'm just headed more like towards turn one because jeff had a whole bunch of people over there so it was pretty much impossible to get over there and then a uh, guy just kind of like walks by me nobody around them just normally walking and um you know i've been i mean i've been watching formula one for like 12 years or whatever so i just I, in my mind, I'm like, I think that was Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I, uh, I look, all, you know, I look back, and that's definitely Lewis. And I think by then, some other people are realizing, and they're kind of like starting to chase him a little bit. So I didn't even, I didn't even try to go over there because I, I, hate chasing people down for like pictures or autographs and stuff like that. But. Um... Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Lewis walked right by me, and I, I didn't uh, I didn't realize it. And then when I realized it, it was
0: too late. So he got the chance to work with a seven time Cup champion, a Cup Series champion with Kyle Busch, and then of course the seven time world champion in Formula One walked by him at the last race of Jeff Gordon before he came out of retirement to help out with Dale Jr. I gotta say that's that's pretty cool, Ray. With with how everything you have accomplished as well as some of the people that you've gotten to work with, how would you feel your career in the world of E-NASCAR has broadened your way of viewing the world of motorsports itself?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we're... I don't even know how to answer that. I mean, we're... Everything, you know, everything just kind of seems to happen very quickly, but it's been, you know, it's been a long road. We, uh... You know this series was first announced in 2009 and um you know i mean back then dale jr was in the series so we we already were connected to the series and i i had um i had basically raced against denny hamlin and martin truix like before i racing and um brad keselowski was kind of in there too but i mostly knew denny and and dale from the uh, nascar 2003 days um and then dale got on i racing as well and you know as as we all know he won the first race ever in the series um so there was always like this connection with with real life motorsports and things like that, but it was it was it was kind of underground. It was it was you know some of the drivers knew about the series, some some people in the industry knew about the series. But obviously, what happened last year with COVID and everything shutting down, and all of a sudden, I racing is the only thing that you have. It just kind of all of a sudden it was on TV and there was millions of people watching it, and um, you know it it. I racing saw like ten years worth of growth over overnight, and uh, yeah, it's 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 grown incredibly, and and I've always you know I've always thought that the future was bright for for sim racing, and that was before COVID. Everything just kind of got shoved, everything got hurried all of a sudden, um, and then people real. I think people realized you know kind of like what I was talking about earlier with Jimmy, just how deep sim racing goes. You know, it's it's uh, we're not playing Mario Kart. You know, we're not uh we're not just out here like with controllers and whatever it's it's there's there's people putting serious time into this there's serious equipment pretty much all the all the drivers in real life now have like their own rig at home everybody's got triple screens everybody's got direct drive wheels really nice equipment um because they realize it's it's good enough the 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 stuff is good enough now that where they can just turn laps at home they can turn laps at home and we saw it last year. They would show up to a track with no practice, and they would advertise like, oh, they're going in here blind, but not really because they've done thousands of laps in the simulator and it's really that close. So that's why you would go into turn one and those guys wouldn't just all crash immediately because mentally they had been there before.
0: Ray, we appreciate your time for coming on here. First again, congratulations on your win at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Quickly right quick before we let you go, where can people go to follow your career as well as keep up to date with the rest of the season for you?
2: Yeah, just follow me on social media, you know, Twitter and Facebook, Ray Alfala, Instagram as well. And and again, you know, thanks to thanks thanks for having me and hopefully uh we get the rowdy energy camry and victory lane again because uh we we really need it at this point we're still in a hole yep a long way to go but we got some great tracks up ahead for you guys that we're
0: looking forward to seeing you that is ray alfala four-time winner of the e nascar coca-cola i racing series champion as well as the winner here at charlotte this past week Coming up, next up, our special guest, Adam Cabot, winner of the Indy 500K from Monday Night Racing. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin, we had just finished up a great interview with the four-time champ, Ray Alfala. And I got to say, a lot of interesting stories about his career,
1: as well as that race that he just had with Malik Ray at Charlotte. Yes, indeed. He definitely showed that he wanted to stay focused. And it definitely, you can tell, though, at the same time, Taylor, he's focused on trying to claw his way up to the point standings. That's going to be the key thing to try and get himself locked in the playoffs because it's been already talked about by many drivers. They expect more than 10 winners. We're up to nine total with eight currently eligible for the playoffs. A lot can happen, to say the very least, over the course of the next few races. In our words, he needs to be able to get up on the wheel and score some great points in the next few weeks. He certainly does,
0: but another driver who we just now have with us here doesn't have to really worry about that because of his win that he received at the hallowed grounds of Indianapolis Motor Speedway for Monday Night Racing presented by NAPA, Indy 500K. Adam Cabot, welcome to the iRacers Download. How are you tonight?
3: I'm doing great. It's uh, great to be here, Taylor. It's That's quite a follow-up, though, to be on after Ray. That's uh, no pressure, I guess, right?
0: Oh, he's no only, pressure.
3: He's only like the GOAT, you know, four time, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, but of course, if you think about it, you also are considered probably one of the greatest on the service because you had the chance of going up against some of the biggest names in motorsports as well as motorsports broadcasting and media. With Monday Night Racing, after you had a fight your way in Anthony Alfredo's eSport Racing League, win the championship, and not even halfway through the season, come out with a checkered flag against Robbie Lyons.
3: Yeah, it's uh, the best way I can describe it is it's just been an absolute whirlwind, because it was less than two months ago um, that I first even decided to sign up for the ERL. Um, and that sign-up was just based on, I saw how fun the guys had last season in ERL, and I was bummed that I missed up on sign up, so I'm like, you know what? Uh, set up Twitter notifications for the ERL account. I'm like, I'm definitely not going to miss signups this time for this season. And uh, when I signed up, I actually didn't even realize that um, the whole goal was to, for this season, set someone up to be able to compete in Monday Night Racing. So, um, it. I mean, to go from that less than two months ago to not only being in Monday Night Racing, but to have been able to win at Indy, uh, like I said, it's just been a whirlwind, but it's been a blast.
1: Let's talk about the race itself, first of all, because... It was definitely an intriguing one where you had to work your way up to the field and with some of the fireworks that started to go off in the closing stages, it was an eventful race. Talk us through your progression through the field all the way to where you took the race lead and eventually the checker flag over lines by 0.073 seconds.
3: Sure. So um, I'll I'll go back to the beginning, but kind of to jump to the end a little bit, it, it really felt like the race just kind of fell in my lap the way everything played out towards the end because it ended up being a race of attrition. Um, but going back to the start, this is my first time uh, in the IR- IR-18 ir IndyCar chassis. Um, I've, I'm familiar with what the weight tracker adjustment is, but um, it wasn't until I spoke to um, another one of the league members, DJ Cummings, I didn't realize that we'd be able to adjust it for this race. I assumed fixed setup meant, you know, you can't <laughs> touch anything because... On the stock car side of things, fixed setup, uh, the only thing you can touch is the brake bias. There's no other really in-car adjustments you can make. So um, I was surprised by that, but I was kind of excited because I knew that um, it it would be a really useful tool once I learned how to use it to be able to combat the dirty air. Um, But that race got started, and it started off kind of crazy because... I guess the admins had a different qualifying setup in for the qualifying session than the race setup. So qualifying starts and all of a sudden, apparently all of us kind of went through the same thing where we looked down and saw we're going like 235 miles an hour or or something crazy. We were going way faster than any of us expected. So um, qualifying was just uh, uh, kind of a matter of survival. Um, Everything that I kind of practiced for qualifying was was out the window and uh, was able to salvage in ninth place qualifying effort out of it. So I was happy with that. Um, but then the race got underway and the whole time my strategy was just to try to take it easy at the start, even though we had two fast repairs, which, um, made it a little bit less nerve wracking knowing that there, there kind of were a couple redos. Um, I still, I still wanted to make sure that I had those in the bank towards the end, Um, And just kept it clean. I didn't want to cause any issues out in the track. I really wanted to kind of just become familiar with the car, uh, familiar with the dirty air, with the weight jacker um, and not push too hard. And uh, of course, every time it seems like you go in with that strategy, what happens? You get caught up in a wreck. So it was like 30, 40 laps in. Um, I forget who it was, but someone, someone got loose, uh, got up into the wall. I think Kligerman and someone else made contact. Uh, someone got up into the wall and came down right in front of me. And I mean, I pretty much had nowhere to go um, and just absolutely destroyed my car. had to do a reset, went a lap down. Um, So at this point, it was like 40 laps in. And I'm like, well, the strategy of staying out of trouble isn't... uh, going so well because I'm in 31st, a lap down. Um, But then I got lucky. There was a caution maybe one or two laps after that. Got my lap back um, and then just kind of slowly climbed my way up through the field. And once I got to around 6th or 7th place, um, I was kind of happy there. Um, I didn't really want to push too much harder because every time you made a a pass going from 31st all the way to 6th or 7th, each pass became a little bit tougher to make. Um, And once I got up to 6th or 7th, I was happy kind of just chilling out there. I figured this would be a great points day. Um, I wanted to save a little bit of of tire, save a little bit of uh, aggression and and all that for the end. Um, You know, my goal is always to win the race, but I really would have been happy with um, finishing around there and I figured, I don't know, maybe I'll be able to push at the end and get a couple more spots. And then it was like uh, every couple laps, it seemed someone would crash in front of me or uh, someone would run out of gas and have to pit. And I I remember just it all seemed like it happened so quick. And all of a sudden there was just one car in front of me that I had to chase down, um, that being Robbie Lyons. So I looked down, there was like nine laps to go one car in front of me and at that point that's when I kind of went into my just uh like super focused mode I'm like all right like you, you know what you got to do um at that point there was no saving anything there was no being conservative it was you know I'm either going to win this race or, or probably crash trying um and we put on a, a really really good battle good finish he raced me clean I, I raced him clean um but what was so difficult about the closing laps was I knew I'd be able to catch him because the draft is so strong in Indy. But once I got up to him, um, it was a matter of making that pass, which I've been in dirty air the entire race. Every time I went to try to pass him, the car would do something that I hadn't done all day. Um, and I knew that I had the tool and the weight tracker to be able to combat that. But I didn't know exactly how far I had to go. And there, I, I quickly, the first couple of times I tried passing him on the bottom, I wasn't full throttle because I didn't want to either get loose or slide up into him. I wasn't fully committed, so I wasn't able to really complete the pass. Um, And I quickly realized that I would have to just full send, be fully committed if I really wanted to clear him and have a chance at the win. So the first time I pulled out, I got so incredibly loose. I I mean, I, I looked at the replay. My hands are almost like, you know, 90 degrees to the right, which is never something you want in an Indy car. I'm used to driving a stock car like that, but I know that that's not what you want to do in an Indy car. It usually doesn't end well. Um, Somehow hung on to it, and I just kept going lower and lower in the weight jacket, not even looking at what setting I had it at, just clicking the button to go lower, just to tighten the car up so I could make that pass because I was actually getting really loose on the bottom in clean air. Um so I just lowered it went full send somehow cleared them and then was able to hold them off for the finish and uh yeah the whole time once it was once we took two to go and I was in the lead I, I literally was like I need to rewatch the last 30 laps of this race cuz I don't know how I even got to this point it seemed like it went from all right I'm cool just chilling in 6th or 7th to being in that epic battle with Robbie but um yeah I mean it just uh that's why I said at the beginning I feel like it all kind of just sort of fell on my lap in a way um just you know having that one car i had to deal with and at that point just giving it all i had
1: very interesting battle indeed absolutely real quickly where can fans fall along with your racing career and on social media
3: um so if anyone wants to follow what i'm doing uh on social media um now i'm gonna embarrass myself i think i know my <laughs> now twitter handle i think it's just uh yeah it's a cabot 88 so uh my last name cabot c-a-b-o-t a cab at 88 um if you want to follow my racing career i usually am i'm not tweeting a lot but uh whenever whenever something really crazy happens or there's some sort of big accomplishment i'll always make sure to post it on there and um, i know you guys are always good about uh you know tagging me and the races that you're following and so that's cool but um yeah i mean it's it's interesting because i'm not really uh it, this has always been more of a hobby to me i know there's a lot of guys out there who especially now in the last couple years are, are trying to make more of a a career out of it um which i think is awesome that that's starting to materialize and, and kind of be a path that people can take and get sponsors but to me it's always been a hobby and like i said just in the last couple of months that everything sort of uh has materialized in this whirlwind here so i mean uh, it's a hobby but well, who knows we'll, we'll see where it takes me
1: coming up news of the week you're listening to the iRacers download on the speed sport podcast network and nascar digital media Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. I'm Justin Prince. Along with me is Taylor Burris and Wayne Owens as we discuss the events of the week. First things first, the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series with the Coca-Cola 300. And Taylor, it was a thriller. Plenty of different leaders, plenty of different incidents, and then the end... The Ray and Ray show, as we discussed with Ray Alfaro earlier. It was probably one of the most interesting races that I've seen at
0: Charlotte, Justin. I mean... For a couple of times, there was drivers who were not really up to par with the track, I would think. A lot of major mistakes we saw from some very heavy hitters. I mean, we talk about the incident that happened with Isaac Gann, middle of the race, with, with him, involving him and his teammate Bob Bryant. I think that might have been a little bit of non-issue of contact. I think some people might say differ. but And then, of course, the big one that happened as well in the middle of that race was just... Kind of interesting. So I'm wondering what the situation was with how the car was so difficult to drive.
1: It's an interesting situation indeed to follow along with, but I will say this. It was an intriguing race overall with Ray Elfalo first, Malik Ray second, Ryan Lewis in third, Keegan Leahy, Zach Novak the top five, Michael Guest with another sixth-place finish, followed by Duval, Kirwin, Bolin, and Wilson again with another top-ten finish, Graham Bolin from 35th to 9th. Keep in mind that for many of the drivers Taylor, they were near on top of each other on speed. Because you know how close qualifying was? Within a tenth of a second from the top 10 to 35th. That's why drivers like Luz and Bolin were so deep in the field and had to make their way through the traffic and the trouble. Certainly they had to as well, but I think the closest
0: and most exciting battle was when we saw Ray Falla just slicing his way through the field. And you know, was in those closing laps, and a lot of people were thinking, could we see a battle between the two rays? Because for a brief moment, Malik Ray was pulling away from Ryan Luza. And of course, we know the situation between Luza and Malik Ray at the season opener at Daytona with that incident happening. But when we saw the onboards of the two drivers of Ray Alfala and Malik Ray, I think the answer says it all that the disappointment that Malik had showed that there was something missing. And unfortunately, he could not keep up with that long-run speed that Ray
1: Alfala had. Yeah, the reaction on social media afterwards from Malik Ray says it all, where he basically said he would have rather crashed lap one, turn one, than finish in second. And that's after his best career race, with his best career finish, and the second most laps led for Malik Ray in his career. He had a car to do it. He had the mindset to do it because he was focused a lot, Taylor, on saving his tires rather than trying to battle a lot with drivers like Luza. He definitely had the mindset. It's just that Ray Alfala had the better car and had probably his best car this entire season. I have to say, yeah, Ray Alfala had the—it was
0: the best car we've seen and also the best drive, I would have to say, we've seen in quite some time for Ray Alfala in that number 51 Toyota Camry. And you know what? It also was surprising to see a couple of other drivers who kind of fell by the wayside. I mean, Keegan Leahy, your pole sitter as well as your lead lap leader, 116 laps he led, ends up coming home with a fourth-place finish. I mean, it just shows how the twists and turns of these races are on the constant change for the most part, Justin. And as we look ahead and not too far away, we'll be coming back in about two weeks' time. We had to another track that Ray was saying he is feeling pretty confident about, Pocono Raceway.
1: And that's going to be an intriguing one, because it's also a track where, just so happens Malik Ray, had his previous best finish at, a best finish of third, prior to the Coca-Cola 300. It's going to be one where it's going to be difficult to set up for, Taylor, of course, because you have three different types of corners. You have to be able to be good in a straight line, but also good in particular in turns one and three as well as your ability to be able to set up passes for the run up into the tunnel turn. You'll be able to build your car for that, You're in a good spot. It's an intriguing race to plan for. It's an intriguing race to run, and it's going to bring some intriguing battles, I think, all across the racetrack. It
0: certainly is, Justin. Of course, you'll catch the action on Tuesday, June 22nd. So we got a couple of weeks before we get to that race, but you can catch it on all of eNASCAR's streaming services along with the iRacing, YouTube, Twitch, and other social media platforms. But... Justin we got to talk about something really special that's happening this weekend as some of you may know uh, we do have another series that we like to talk about is the PCA sim racing series or the Porsche car club of America. And that series, along with the Carolinas region of the Porsche Car Club of America, are hosting a charity race event supporting U.S. and Canadian service veterans. All funds were raised will go to Operation Motorsports, which for some of you who may know, Operation Motorsports provides opportunity for disabled, injured, and medically retired veterans and even giving a little will help this worthy cause, and your donation is also tax-deductible. Over 40 PCA sim racing teams and over 90 drivers will compete in a three-hour race at the world's famous Circuit de la Sarf circuit. Each team will have two racers conducting driver changes, pit stops, and endurance racing strategy. You can catch the action of this race live on Sunday, May 30th, starting at 7 p.m., so that's Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And Justin, a very special guest will be joining the broadcast team for that. It's going to be none other than Mr. Radio Lamar himself, John Hindhall, will be joining the broadcast team. So make sure if you want to go watch this race, it's going to be full of excitement. It's, of course, going to be at the Le Mans Circuit, and I got to say, it's going to be exciting. But also, if you are wanting to learn more information about the PCA, as well as Operation Motorsports, or even make a donation, visit PCASimRacing.com forward slash O-P-M-O, or to donate, go to PledgeIt.org forward slash 4 forward slash Operation dash Motorsports. And as we approach Memorial Day, Justin, this is going to be a very special race And I got to say, with the star power that's coming on board for the broadcast team, I'm looking forward to
1: it. I'm pretty sure everyone who goes and watches that will be excited to see what happens with the PCA. I think so as well. It's going to be an exciting race. I'm going to be one of the people working along with it as well. And I can't wait to see how the drivers do because already a lot of work's been put in by the organizations taking part to raise funds It's going to be an intriguing race overall and a great broadcast to be a part of. It certainly is, Justin. And, you know, one of the
0: things I found interesting is they set a goal of over about $10,000 for the Pledge It as well as for donations. Did you know after last night on Wednesday – when they finished the PCA at Mid-Ohio, they were actually over that and almost closing in on $11,000 in donations. So it's for a great organization. It's for a great cause, and we are all looking forward to it. And, of course, you can catch the action once again on the PCA Sim Racing YouTube channel. And, of course, it's on Sunday, May 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Well, Justin, it's hard to believe this, but we are closing in on another week. Of course, we have a little bit of downtime as we approach on Memorial Day. But as we look ahead, we still have some great racing this weekend with, of course, the Indy 500, as well as the Coca-Cola 600, of course, which we'll be watching and enjoying. And then, of course, kicking things off with the PCA. Monday Night Racing won't be back, of course, till the end of – or actually the first week of June when they head off into – the, none other, Lime Rock Park with the MX-5 Cup cars. An exciting round to watch those guys. And I'm pretty sure we'll be keeping an eye on a certain young gun named Preston Partis as he is a MX-5 champion in the SCCA. So looking forward to that. And, of course, we pointed out the next round, round 11, for the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola I-Racing Series. Heads to the Tricky Triangle Pocono Raceway Tuesday, June 22nd. Catch the action starting at 8.30 with pre-race show as well as the race at 9 p.m. on all of iRacing and eNASCAR streaming platforms. Well, for Ray Alfala and Adam Cabot, and of course, Justin Prince, my partner in crime, and our producer, Wayne Owens, I am Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode
1: of the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media.